Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to begin there. We're talking about spiritual armor and spiritual warfare. And we're looking at the war boots of the gospel of peace. And in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14, do a quick recap of last week and then move forward to what we want to talk about today. The Apostle Paul is writing, beginning in verse 14, and he says, Stand therefore, having, remember again, that's past tense, girded your waist with truth, having, again past tense, put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now remember, it's only after these things have been put on that you then go on to take the shield of faith. This is verse 16, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So those are things that you take after you have already put on the other three. Amen? So we've come to the last of the three things that we already need to have on and be equipped with before we ever go on to the others. Now you're going to realize why you need to have all these things on. And in fact, especially your war boots, what I call, on before you take your shield and take your sword and everything else. Alright? But we'll get to that in just a minute. Remember again that these war boots of peace allows us to stand firm and allows us to advance. Ark and Hughes said again, the spiritual lesson here is perfectly clear. It is the gospel of peace. The peace that comes to us in and through the gospel. In and through the gospel. This peace comes in the gospel and through the gospel. Okay? It's not found in any other book. It's only found in this book. And it is through this gospel as well. It is as we minister to others that they receive peace. Amen? So that's why he says that this peace comes in and through the gospel that makes us immovable in battle. As we learn about this, as we ground ourselves in this, then we become immovable. As the enemy starts to attack us, can I just say this? If you have peace, you can stand and you can endure any attack and any circumstance, anything that the enemy throws at you because you are at peace inside. Amen? You can have a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand at the other, but it won't come near you because you are not moving. The only ones that get attacked are the ones that jump out of the sphere of protection. And they leave their boots behind. (laughs) Amen? Do you know what I'm trying to say? You need to learn to stand firm and know God has your back. Amen? So this is what we're talking about and this is the revelation I need you to get. Amen? Okay. Who thought there'd be so much in a pair of boots? <laughs> okay, all right. Remember, this is God's armor. Let me say that again. Remember, this is God's armor. Amen? This is not our armor. This is His armor that He put on us, if we let Him. Let me add that. You know, there's a lot of Christians running around naked. You know, just not, not a pretty sight. Anyway... <laughs> Romans chapter 10 verse 15, it says, How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Remember again, we're talking about glad tidings of good things. Our message needs to be glad and good, not bad and sad. Again, I think the enemy has a lot of preachers preaching stuff that they really shouldn't be. And I don't understand, I don't know if they realize that they don't make God look good in that. 
2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Again, I'm just quickly going over these scriptures. No longer counting people sin against them. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. So that's the message we are meant to be passing on to others. Not that God is going to come and test you, try you and beat you up. Would you like to become a Christian? You know, that just doesn't work. Notice what it says. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, no longer counting people's sin against them. So if God is no longer counting people's sin against them, do you understand the sin he's talking about? Is that original sin that came in that you can't get rid of. No matter how good you are, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Do you understand? And the wage of the sin is death. That's 6.23. Okay? So that is what we're talking about. The thing you couldn't do anything about, God did something about that. Amen. And so we need to understand that that has been taken care of. So why do people go to hell? Because they reject the gift. Isn't that sad? It's not that they have to work really hard and they didn't work hard enough to get there. It's all been given to them. And God says, if you don't take what's really given to you, then it's your funeral, so to speak. Amen? Praise God that we have so much to look forward to. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about, of all people, if we didn't have heaven to look forward to, if we didn't have that kind of future to look forward to, we'd be miserable. You know, why do all the right things if there isn't a reward at the end? But can I say this to you, because a lot of people preach that without, without preaching this. Hey, you do the right things down here, you'll win down here. People say, well, why do you have to be good? Because being bad causes you to lose. You might get a temporary victory, but you'll lose at the end. Death comes. Whenever you sin, there's death. Do you know why? Not because God's got a big bat waiting to hit you over the head. Because there's a devil with a big bat waiting to hit you over the head. He said the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Why do you allow him in? Is my extra translation. (laughs) Do you understand? If you know that, don't do that. How many of us leave our doors wide open and walk off? Knowingly. Now, you know, sometimes you forget, you know, I'm not saying that. You come home and the door's open, you think, oh my God, somebody robbed me. And then it's like, no, you left it open. (laughs) Yeah, has that happened? Yeah, okay, amen. There was an angel going, I'm on guard duty. This is overtime. (laughs) Get a lot of overtime with this guy. (laughs) Okay, but you need to know that God will protect and look after you. Hallelujah. You know, (laughs) but the thing is that, We lock our doors and we do those things because we know there's a thief out there. Amen? But isn't it funny that whenever people do the wrong thing and they think they're getting ahead, it's literally like unlocking all your doors and opening them up and saying, come on in. Don't do that. Amen. All right, moving on. That's not my message today. All of this again was reflected in the Old Testament in Isaiah 52 and verse 7. And the reason I brought this scripture out is because of the equivalence. It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace. Amen. That's Isaiah 52 and verse 7, the first part of it. Notice he says, The feet of him who brings good news and proclaims peace. So notice in this verse of scripture that instead of using the word gospel, it uses the term good news. Because that's what the gospel is. It is good news. Amen. And it's vital that we keep the news we give to people about God good. Amen. Amen. All right. Again, I said to you before, John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly or life to the full, depending on what translation you have. That's the kind of life we're meant to be living. A full life. 
If we're living anything less than a full life, there's a lot of potential. You're not living up to the potential yet. Now, it might be a little bit of a slog, but you'll get there. Jesus is the author and the developer, the finisher of our faith. Stick with Him. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Don't you do that to Him. Amen? He wants to see... Do you know He wants to see you successful? He died to assure your success. He's invested a lot in you. Don't quit. Alright. Now, let's move on. As to what the gospel or the good news of peace is actually referring to, can be broken down into two main areas. Peace with God and the peace of God. I spoke to you about this a little bit before. You must have peace with God in order to have the peace of God. You can't have the peace of God without peace with God. Do you all understand that? Okay, we'll see this as we go. Again, I don't know whether I read this to you before, but let me just do it in case I didn't. Biblical commentator R. Kent Hughes says, Those who first have peace with God, and then the resulting peace of God, girding their feet, are powerful soldiers in the spiritual battle. No matter what the enemy throws at them, no matter what move the enemy makes, they hold their ground. Now, we see the first aspect of this peace in the announcement of the birth of Christ, when the angel of the Lord says in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, Glory to God in the highest, and this is our Christmas season, this is one of our Christmas verses, amen? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Did you notice that? Peace, goodwill toward men. We need to understand that there is peace and goodwill coming from God toward us. It's coming our way. We need to receive it. Amen? The Apostle Paul expands and explains what was going on here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19. He says there, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Verse 20. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Amen? Having made peace through the blood of His cross. So He reconciled all things to Himself, and there is peace now. Therefore what we see here is that as a result of the blood of His cross, we now have peace with God. Now that leads us to our final scripture, which is Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, in this section where the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now let's get into some revelation. <laughs> okay? All right. Because you all need all those scriptures before I can start talking to you about this. So this again is the good news that we are to take to the world. And that the devil does his best to stop people from finding out. That we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means there's no peace outside of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Which means all other peace is not true peace. It's the kind of peace you get when you hold your breath and stick your head underwater. It only lasts so long and then you're drowning. <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to say? Amen? That, that kind of peace doesn't last. Do you know why? Do you know why you can't just go up on a mountaintop and meditate and have peace and stuff? Do you know why? Because on the mountaintop there's a devil. You, they don't go, oh, oh, I can't go, I, I can't manage heights. They rule in that realm. They are up there. And you need to understand, wherever you go, no matter how much you might meditate, see, if you do it in God, remember meditation is God's idea. And the world just took it. And we let Him. 
And then once they took it, we said, oh, well, we don't have anything to do with all that stuff. How dumb is that? Amen. Hey, man, it started in, in Genesis chapter 6. That's how far back it goes. Isaac was meditating in the field. And he looked up and woohoo. Yeah. Uh, meditation stopped at that point. Yeah. No. Okay. You remember his wife-to-be came. Okay. Now, can I say this? We need to meditate on things that are important. Listen to me. We need to think deeply about the people we love. Do you know, every so often, I'll just suddenly get a glimpse of something that Emily might have said, or Sarah might have said, or Daniel might have said. You know, one of those little quirky things? Those things that you just think, oh, just want to hug that, you know? I do that. I get that. And I don't like to share this stuff normally, but let me just do this at this point, because I think it is important. We need to keep those things inside us. Because there is a lot of stuff out here that will distract us. And if we don't have that insight to anchor us, then things will start to slip away. You know, right down to the kids. You know, because sometimes I'll just, I might just hear Daniel with one of his little, he's got this little hearty little laugh that he has. You know, when he's laughing, it's it's really cute. And, you know, I'll be starting away and suddenly I'll just get that, for example, just in my spirit. And so I'll just get up and go and give him a hug or something and just say, I love you. He goes, what do you need? <laughs> I said, nothing. I just want to say, I love you. you know? Normally it's like, are we doing homework now? <laughs> Every time I turn away, is it homework now? <laughs> <Okay. laughs> All I'm saying is, there needs to be that kind of love that doesn't have something attached to it. Do you understand? And I tell you what, that goes such a long way. And you know, we always worry about the things that our kids are going to remember or our spouse is going to remember and you miss all the little things that they will remember. And all the stuff you think they're going to remember, they probably forgot. Amen. In the Spirit, stay in the Spirit. Amen. God is just amazing at what He can do and how He can bless you. Do you know that blesses me? More blessed to give than to receive. Okay, so, getting back to this. Because the enemy is trying his best to stop this message from going out, that's why this is a part of our armor. That's why they're war boots. Because everything will come against them to stop this message getting out. Amen? And can I also say this? You know, when you minister a message out there, whatever good news you give someone, it's not your responsibility to convince them. So don't. Your responsibility is just to give the bit that God tells you and don't add to it. Can I say this? Sometimes our addition subtracts from it. The thing God asked you to tell them made a huge impact. Then the rest of your verbal diarrhea just took it all away. And they couldn't remember the thing you said to begin with. Sorry for using those terms. But some people just can't do that. They, They just have to add. Because they think, oh, that's not enough. I have to say something else. Stop, stop, stop. Just say what you had to say. It's amazing. Oh, you know, that's the first lesson you learn in the entertainment industry. Always keep them wanting more. Don't give them so much that they're throwing up. Is that right, Leo? Yeah, baby. Okay. He's my muso. Digging it? No. I don't know. That. Okay. So. <laughs> Praise God. All right, back to this. Now, since Paul is making reference to what the Roman soldiers wore in battle, let's take a closer look at these war boots and see how they parallel the divine war armor we are to equip ourselves with. 
Amen? You ready? William Hendrickson writes, In order to promote facility of motion over all kinds of roads, Roman soldiers were in the habit of putting on shoes thickly studded with sharp nails. All right, this is from Josephus, the Jewish wars. Thus, one important reason for Julius Caesar's success as a general was the fact that his men wore military shoes that made it possible for them to cover long distances in short periods. That again and again, the enemies were caught off guard, having deceived themselves into thinking that they still had plenty of time to prepare an adequate defense. In the victories won by Alexander the Great, this same factor had played an important role. Accordingly, proper footwear spells readiness. Here again, the believer has a twofold weapon, defensive and offensive. Amen? Just in you being ready and getting there, that's an offensive weapon. Do you understand? It's a weapon in itself because you got there when they weren't ready. And they're going, and they're eating, and the little thing falls out of their fork and go, oh man... We thought we had another day at least. So that's a good place. Amen. What can you do with a fork? <laughs> All right. To this, MacArthur adds, A soldier whose feet are blistered, cut, or swollen, listen, cannot fight well, and often is not even able to stand up. A perilous situation in battle. He cannot very well handle his sword or shield, and cannot advance rapidly or even retreat. A Christian spiritual footwear is equally important in his warfare against the schemes of the devil. If he has carefully girded his lines with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness, but does not properly shod his feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, he is destined to stumble, fall, and suffer many defeats. A good pair of boots allows the soldier to be ready to march, climb, fight, or do whatever else is necessary. Christ demands the same readiness of his people. So this is what the Apostle Paul was referring to when he said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Not some flimsy Roman little sandal that everybody wore around the house. Okay? These are war shoes. These are war boots. In fact, the word shod in the Greek refers to binding something very tightly on the bottom of one's feet. Meaning that this gospel of peace was not to be a loosely fitting shoe, but one that is fastened to our foot extremely tightly. We need to keep this close to us. We need to keep this at our disposal. We need to understand that a lot of times people, you know, whenever you start to minister anything, they go, oh, that's religion. Oh, I don't want to hear about that. You know why? Because what they've heard hasn't been good news. People have been trying to cram something down their throat. Have you ever? Now think about this before you answer it. Have you ever had to force somebody to take a hundred dollar bill from you? That person is an idiot. Listen, man, if you have a hundred bucks, okay, people will just go, yes, thank you very much. Now, what did you want to say? Unless you're giving monopoly money away, then they don't want to take it. All right? Listen, it's the good news. It's meant to be good. They should come to a place where they can't get enough of it. If they're choking, it's because it's not good news. Do you hear me? Let me deal with something here. God's talking to me about this. Let me talk to you about it. The Word of Faith movement for a long time was put under fire because they were preaching a prosperity gospel and a healing gospel and everything else. Can I say they were trying to counteract all the garbage that was going on out there before that? 
Because people will come and say, well, bless God, you're going to die and go to hell. Want to hear more? No. Or are you having a bad week? Okay. <laughs> you're not helping. Do you hear what I'm saying? And there are so many people that are, were just hammering away at it, and they couldn't get it. You see, they come from a place where, oh, you need to know the seriousness of this, and you need to understand this. Yes, true. But the Bible says that people, before they're saved, they are blind to this. They don't have the ability to understand. So they really can't. The only thing you can do them is show how good God is. That's what you minister to them. You don't tell them that they're sinners going to hell. They know. Their wife tells them every no. <laughs> no, no, okay. No, listen. They know, man. There's enough there. They know they're doing the wrong thing. They're not going to a good place. What they don't know is good news and glad tidings. They don't know that God has reconciled the world to Himself. Do you know that God doesn't hold your sin against you? Do you know that He loves you? That's what we mean when we say He loves you. And don't use it as a cliche because they go, Oh yeah, I've heard that God loves me. Except as soon as you get in, He beats you over the head. See, the message doesn't gel. It doesn't work. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? On one hand, we say God loves you. On the other hand, we say God's testing and trying you. She, I don't need that kind of love. Do you? I don't. <laughs> okay. They need to hear God so loved that He gave. He didn't take from you. He gave to you. And whoever believes, not understands, not gets the implications, not, you know, no, whoever believes, receives. You just have to believe that God loves you and receive His free gift. Well, what about all the stuff that comes after? Do you know, we can't just get people in the, in the kingdom and then, you know, suddenly the devil attacks them and we, we just, we're just deceiving them into coming in. Dude, teach them how to use the sword. Oh yeah, you don't know how. You can only teach what you know. If you don't know how, then yeah, you are inviting them to disaster. Do you see how all this works? Do you see that we need to get this working in our life? Do you see that the good news we give them is to say, God loves you. God paid a price so that you could step in to His blessing. Yes, His blessing, not His wrath. His blessing. Now, you are going to incur the wrath of His enemy and also your enemy. The guy that, that all the problems you've been having, it hasn't been God. That's good news. Because every good and perfect gift comes from Him. But Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. So, God has been told on wrongly. Do you get that? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, good. You see, I'm, I'm helping you here. Okay? And you say, alright, let's see what Jesus... Now, you know, is sickness and disease a full life? No. I mean, any fool knows that. Okay? Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. If you're not living that full life, you ain't there yet. Are you all here? And listen to me. When you get in, we'll show you how. We'll show you how to activate promises in your life. And we'll show you how to make the miraculous life a normal life. To where you t almost take things for granted and you expect everything to work out. You don't have Murphy's Law working anymore. That's for the world. If it can go wrong, it will, because the devil will make sure. Okay? You're outside of that. Hallelujah! There's your deliverance. There's the good news. There's good tidings. Could you do with some of that? Absolutely. And each week, each month, each year, you'll find that your life is going up, not down. And it'll happen so 
Slowly and so quietly and so gradually, you won't even notice. Just like your decline was so slowly and quietly and gradually that one day you thought, what am I doing here in the bottom of the pit? One day you'll be on top of the mountain and go, wow, how'd that happen? Gradually. Amen. It's called a miraculous life. You don't just want miracles, you want a miraculous life. Do you know what a miraculous life means? Everything that you have need of comes. Everything is just there waiting for you. You don't have to have a miracle happen. It's being just taken care of and taken care of. This year has been such a blessing for me. We've been, we've been diligently just putting you know, finances aside and everything else. And then suddenly, God said, this is going to be a season of spending. I said, no, no, no. I took a long time to save that stuff. He said, well, it's useless having it in the bank. If you're not going to use it for the things that I have designed for you to use it. And so then came the music equipment and other things started coming. Right down to a few personal things. You know, I was praying and I said, God, among other things, there was a list of things. You know, I said, that guitar, man, it drives me nuts. Because every time you have to change the, the battery on the thing, you have to take all the strings out. It was in back then, you know, when they designed it. It was dumb. Whoever designed it was just nuts. So you have to take all the strings out. I asked the guy when I bought it, I said, why? He said, well, you should be changing your strings every year. He said, are you kidding? What, what is wrong with you? I don't want to do it. That's the reason they put it inside. So that you are forced to change your strings, whether they are good or not, when you change your battery. I don't play that often. And my cousin said, you buy a guitar, put, buy a good set of strings, put them on, they'll last you. And I took his advice, man. It just it, it makes the guitar sound nicer when you have a good set of strings. So I, I, this was driving me nuts, because every time I get up here to lead praise and worship, I play and nothing happens. Or it's this minuscule little sound, a pathetic little thing that's trying to come through, and I change the battery. So what do you do with that? Use lots of colorful metaphors. No, <laughs> you, <laughs> you resist that, okay? <laughs> and so I was on my little list. I said, God, I would really like a guitar and I don't want to spend a lot of money on it. I want it to be a good guitar. Uh, you know, I don't want to spend more than a hundred bucks on it. And so, you know, with my birthday and I got some money and stuff here and there. And praise God, thanks to my daughter, because I ordered something online for her. I'm just showing you how to walk in the realm of the miraculous, okay? This is just a normal thing now for us. And so ever since then, they keep sending me little coupons. And so, at my birthday, I get this little coupon to say that this guitar that's over $200 will be sold just for you, one item, because you know, <laughs> all right, with this coupon for 98 bucks. It's electric, it's all the things I wanted. And the battery's on the outside. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and it has a built-in tuner and all sorts of things. Anyway, praise God. That's walking in the realm of the miraculous. See, if that didn't happen, I'd be upset. Out there, if that happened, I'd be like, oh wow, I'm so lucky. If that's what you call luck, I live in luck. <laughs> okay? That's just my normal life. When things don't work out, I'm going, excuse me, what happened? Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Good news, glad tidings. That's what you pass on to people. That's how you minister the gospel. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear religion. They want to hear that their life is going to work out and you have a life to prove it. Are your feet shod with the gospel of peace? Glad tidings, good news. Or is it, oh, let me tell you what happened to me today. Oh, dear Jesus. Oh, no, thank you. No, 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 no. And at the end, would you like to get saved?
<laughs> Guy goes, I think I already am. <laughs> Listening to your life, I am. <laughs> you know? Amen. All right, I've run out of time. So this is what the Apostle Paul was referring to when he said, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's good news. Amen? The word preparation conveys the idea of solidity, firmness, or a solid foundation. Meaning that in spiritual battle, we need to be able to dig in and hold our ground, whether it is to do with people opposing the gospel or demonic pressure to give up preaching the gospel of peace. But regardless of the opposition, this armor is more than able to carry us through to victory, as long as we don't give up on God. We can't give up on Him. The only reason you will give up on God if somebody preached wrong about God. That's the insidious message that travels through the body. You don't know whether it's God or not. See, I need to bring you to a place where you definitely know it ain't God. Something goes wrong. You stick your feet in and you say, God, this is not how you discipline your kids. You do it with the word. This is something else. We need to know that. Now, if God is speaking to your heart, don't rebuke Him. <laughs> Let me say that and balance it out. Because that's the dumb stuff. That's when people, you know, when God is actually talking to them, that's when they reject it. When the devil's attacking them, then they receive it. Because the message has been preached wrong. We need to understand that if you get something in your heart, hey, the Lord is speaking to your heart. He's telling you, fix this. You're opening doors that you shouldn't. You are putting yourself in harm's way. And the thief will come. He's always there. Like roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's, he's not a roaring lion, he's like one. He's actually a little mousy with a big torchlight and this little big shadow. And he goes, hmm, I'm roaring, I'm roaring. You know? okay? uh, yeah. You take the light away and he says, itty bitty thing on the floor. You know? And you step it because he's meant to be under your feet. Amen. Okay, all right? Don't run away from that, man. You, you, yeah. Anyway, we need to understand that God is good. Do you hear me? That He is not the problem. If something is going wrong, you need to stand firm. That's where your stance comes in. That's when you think, no, this is not God. And the enemy will do everything to deceive you into thinking it's God. Because that's the only way he can overcome you. If you overcome yourself. To get it, he can't really overcome you. You've got to do it. His only weapon is subtlety and deception. If you buy into that, you're gone. Amen? You will sink your own ship. So, my job is to make sure you know God's not your problem. I need to give you enough so you understand if something comes your way and it looks a little wonky, it's not God. You can have a private conversation with Him in the prayer room. This is not Him. He doesn't work like this. Amen? He has crowned you with glory and honor. And can I say, if ever he corrects you on something, you'll come out stronger, not weaker. Oh, you have no idea what true repentance entails. It's an empowerment. It's not a weakening. It's an empowerment. Because you suddenly realize something inside of you, a blackness has left and a strength has returned. And you're right with God again. And He's got your back and He's all over you and He's in you and working through you and He's about to take everything out in front of you. That's a good place to be. That's where we go in the throne room. That's where we're transparent and we're honest with God. Because we want our strength back. 
Hallelujah. All right, I'm going to leave it there because we have run out of time. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Father, for all the things that we are learning, all the things that we're growing in. And I thank you, Father, that we...